Hello everyone and welcome to the House of Lotus podcast, a platform dedicated to spiritual research and development. This podcast is meant to throw a little bit of light onto the path of each one of us and hopefully to assist each of our listeners to take their own next step. With good intentions and one eye always on our truth, please remain open to what lies ahead. From my heart to yours and from my mind to yours, may our spirit show us the way. On this episode, we shall talk about positive thinking, its misapplication in trying to manifest a positive life and how adhering to some of the practices often given under this kind of teaching poses risks to our very self-development. Please understand that it is not my intention to diminish all to a label, and my use of the term is only to accommodate the vast majority of rhetoric that falls within this kind of description and has the same adverse effects. There may be some handful of people that present their work as a development of a positive thinking attitude but in fact may truly pass on great teachings. I'm not referring to them. Let us move on and it will be for you thereafter to discern the difference, the truthfulness and usefulness of each such teaching. Please take a deep breath, relax and enjoy. For the past decades, spirituality and matters of the occult have been increasingly accessible to a large number of people. All who asks really can find it. Sacred knowledge is no longer held tight in the circles of closed secret societies. The keys to correctly understand its meaning, however, may be another story. All real knowledge, all that is truthful and wise, has always been accessible to the masses since the most ancient of years. Scriptures and parables carried on through millennia, so eloquently disguised as to seem like a myth to all that would fall short of the capacity to understand it, with a capacity that is only attainable through self-development, the true fruit of personal effort through countless lifetimes that will allow each person through her inner faculties, to turn the key and discover all that has been hiding in plain sight for all to see. For the past decades, spiritual matters have been increasingly accessible. This has been a reflection of humanity's collective evolution, and even our planet's evolution, which has allowed some veils to be more easily seen through and some secrets to be revealed by great thinkers of their time in all principles. We, as people, have reached a point when so many of us become aware of our spiritual nature, a capacity that has been earned by each one through many lifetimes, that more and more go into research, studies, and thereafter share their findings, happy to pass the plane to all those who look for it. But what part of all that knowledge that is now flooding us rings true to the higher realms of spirit 
rather than the subjective claims of experiencing neophytes. Even when the source is truly a spiritually developed individual, even when their teaching is true or what part of truth is allowed by karmic laws to be revealed, if passed down to unreliable minds that pick what parts of it they understand and further diminish them into terms they understand, what remains is a mere shadow of whatever subject the teacher meant to elucidate. Of course, each pilgrim on his path will assimilate what he needs at the time. I'm not talking about honest disciples on their way to self-discovery. I am referring to the self-proclaimed teachers and gurus of our time that will not even entertain the idea that there are parts of their teaching they miscalculated. And I will try to assume their good intentions, leaving their actions to speak louder than any assumptions. Unfortunately, even through honest beliefs and pure intentions, with lack of understanding, these shadows of a teaching pass to others as the fire itself, understood and applied in ways that push the practitioner further into illusion, if not cause more harm. One of such shadow teachings is the trend named positive thinking. This attitude passes for a spiritual practice because itself is based on parts of psychological and spiritual truths. And it is an example of how presenting misconceptions as a truth can cause more harm than good. There are two main bases that people generally rely on regarding positive thinking. One is that humans can and do create their reality. The other is that it is healthier to hold a positive stance to what takes place around us. Let us now examine each one and what part of truth indeed passes through to the positive thinker. It is a great mystical teaching that man creates his life, not in mere metaphorical terms, but actually with his capacities or the lack thereof, can, through directing his energy, create forms that will pass through the layers of creation to become physical objects in his life. These forms or entities are called thought forms. Creation of such thought forms takes place all the time, with most thoughts and emotions experienced by humankind. Most of them are outbreathed into manifestation unconsciously, through long-standing beliefs that men keep feeding with their energy. Others, by goal-setting, by each focused intention one may have towards achieving or acquiring something. The mental and emotional energy of each one of us does create an entity that exists in the dimensions closer to our physical one, waiting for the appropriate circumstances to pass into manifestation. It is a popular saying, you attract what you think, although in reality we attract what we are, not just what we think alone. Thought forms appear all the time, but their lifespan, their ability to go down into physical manifestation, 
and their effects will depend on the attributes passed on to those entities from their creators, whether they were fed enough mental and emotional material and the quality of that material as well. Thankfully, not all thought forms make it to the physical plane. Imagine if every unpleasant scenario experienced in the mind of each person could find its way into the objective universe. Its inability, however, to become objective does not automatically mean that it is dissolved. Many, if not most of them, still exist in the emotional and mental bodies of their creators, because the thoughts and emotions that created them in the first place still exist within them. The conditions and beliefs that shaped them have not yet been transcended or purified. So the forms are fed with energy and grow not only in the bodies of their creator, but the astral and lower mental dimensions as well, creating confusion in their creator and everyone who unconsciously resonates with the same experience through the dimensions in which those entities keep existing. As mentioned before, these entities are subconsciously or unconsciously created all the time, and it is normal for humans to create and deal with them until they are spiritually developed enough to be aware of what they create and how it affects them. Here comes the tricky part. It is taught that because, whether we know it or not, we have the capacities to create our reality, we should always remain positive in order to attract positive things in our life. And here we have the first misunderstanding. The issue is whether we truly are positive, whatever positive might mean. Remember, our thought forms are what we are, not merely what we think. Let us give an example to understand how things function. A man sits at his window one day, thinking that it would be nice to have someone to share his life with. He dismisses the thought and continues his daily routine. At first, this is just a muse, disappearing a few seconds later, having not enough mental and emotional energy to be sustained as a thought form. A few days later, the thought comes again, and as time goes on, the thought becomes stronger in him, enough to make him consider that maybe it's time that he wanted a partner. The desire slowly forms within him, and the thought of having a partner is more specific, now well in his awareness. A thought form now begins to be sustainable, showing in his subtle bodies and planes. Due to his life experience as a child, and later with his romantic partners, this man has registered in him the belief that he is not worthy of love. He had never become aware of his conviction and never worked with it. Now he wants a partner, creating the thought form around him that will attract such an occurrence. But what is this thought form created from? The thought is to have a partner, clear enough. The emotion that goes into it is the desire for partnership, clear enough. But by what means is this man supposed to keep his thoughts and desires 
clear from the emotional and mental energy of his conviction that he is not worthy of love. He has not become aware of his issue and he has never worked with it. His emotional and mental processes are colored with such belief, intricately connected and interwoven within his personality and most possibly with his core understanding of how the world functions for him. His thought form then, with all the mental and emotional matters passed from him, embodies first and foremost such belief. And what he will attract is a partner that resonates with the energy he himself put out. The partner comes. He may be happy at first, but slowly realizes that the experience of the relationship strongly resembles his previous ones making him feel unworthy again, the belief he watered the seed of his thought form with. We have given this example to illustrate how our creation of reality is not mere thoughts taken in a vacuum and disconnected from what our personality is shaped from. Therefore, to will something or desire something in positive terms is not enough because our reality is a very personal experience which reflects our own incarnated selves. We attract then what we are. The more aware we are of our issues, the more determined we are to work and develop ourselves, the more purified the things we attract and the more serving our reality will be. The same goes for our goals or our desire to possess something, money, status, power. From which part of us do these needs arise? Are they reflecting our issues, disguised as the change we need in our lives to be happy? There is nothing inherently wrong with wanting change, with acquiring material things, money, status or power. But the more aware of where the root of such need lies, the more serving their materialization will be and the more conscious we will be dealing with them thereafter. As in the example given before, even when the man did attract a partner, his experience was not good for him because he was not aware that he attracted such relationship through the belief of undeserving one. And the recurring pattern of his experience may further solidify his faulty belief and therefore further disconnect him from his path. This is the problem with trying to create our reality when we haven't first learned ourselves. When we consciously try to create something, when we haven't become conscious of ourselves. Even when we manage to manifest our desires, and thankfully we don't always achieve to do so, we may in fact be building a wall around us, made of bricks that are our own issues. And that wall may keep us from experiencing anything else beyond them, beyond our fears and insecurities that would help us take the next step in our path. Until, hopefully, there will come a time when the man of our example will realize the repeating pattern and turn within to discover the issues that color his reality and work with them to become aware that he 
as every single one of us can bring the world down and walk worthy of love. The second basis for the positive thinking practitioner is that holding a positive stance in our life is beneficial to our health, psychological and physical. This is first and foremost a generalization, one that is vague and open to interpretations and that leaves space for much misunderstanding. It's good to have a positive view of life. It's good to have the capacity to find the meaning and lesson of an unpleasant situation, using its effects to grow. But the way I have seen this generalization being taught and practiced is a way that leaves no room for what actually is. It is a way that facilitates fear in the practitioner, or at least cuts him off from reality, and solidifying him a belief that not only cancels out the capacity for awareness, but negates the state of acceptance in our lives, always on the run from our very selves, running from our pain, from our reality, our issues, from our feelings and thoughts. We deny ourselves the space to experience unpleasantness, even when it is already happening to us, in fear that we might attract it, give it power, and assume responsibility of its creation. It is true that the way we perceive things dictates our reality. Our chakras, as we explain in our episodes on the chakras, are the focal point in the body for our physical, emotional, mental and spiritual functions, radiating light that fills our consciousness and our environment. They are light the quality of it and the experience it allows for change according to our self-development, depending on how aware we have become of our inner self psychologically and spiritually. Each chakra projects its light around us, making our aura the filter through which we perceive the world. So it is natural to assume that the more positive our attitude is, the purer our chakras will be, and the more positive will be our experiences. But what does it mean to be positive? It is not to stand under the night sky and insist it is morning. It is to stand beneath the night sky, accept that it is not daytime, and have the capacity to look for the stars. A person who is ill will not benefit from denying to himself what it is his physical body is experiencing. It will serve him better to acknowledge it, accept it, and go see a doctor that will facilitate healing for him. The same applies to all those situations that we want to avoid, neglecting them and covering them with a positive thought. To be positive under those terms to be able to find it within us to look for the stars in a situation we find unpleasant is to be mindful, to cultivate a state of acceptance and kindliness towards ourselves, enough to feel safe to see our experience. It is, as Thich Nhat Hanh says, to be able to water the seeds of compassion 
understanding and loving our consciousness while knowing, observing that there are negative seeds as well. We may not be in control of what happens to us, but the way we perceive what takes place can be a choice instead of an unconscious coloring of what is and our reaction to it thereafter. Becoming aware of ourselves, of how we function and what tendencies we have, gives us space, enough to decide the way we want to handle the effects of what is going on. We are in control of how we react to them, or rather, how to consciously act in relation to them. Only by accepting what is can we take meaningful action, and it always comes back to awareness of the self. As I have tried to explain in our introduction, positive thinking is a very generic category of teaching, but hopefully you can now understand the kind of rhetoric and practices I am referring to, and the risks that come with adhering to it. Let us now sum up. Having a positive attitude towards life is a good thing, but for it to be real, healthy and sustainable, it needs to be rooted in reality, in awareness of ourselves and the capacity to understand that we are not what happens to us, nor our experience of it. We are the observants. With kindliness and acceptance, we can become safe in finding out what is and work with ourselves beyond exciting but temporary fixes. We have expanded more on this and you can listen to it on our episodes on awareness and those on the chakras. We, as incarnated souls, do build our reality, whether we do it consciously or not. But in either case, try to be aware of yourselves. Return and re-examine your desires and goals and keep refining them until both heart and mind are developed enough to align your goals with the path of your soul. And it all begins in the now. So, now, focus on the present moment, this precious moment. With your next inhalation and every new breath, bring your consciousness to your experience in the now, to what you find within you and all around you. And fold yourselves with kindliness and acceptance, reassuring that whatever you find is okay. Thank you very much for listening to the House of Lotus podcast. If you have enjoyed the episode, please consider supporting the show by following, sharing it with like-minded people, or becoming a patron to enjoy special rewards and extra content. You can find more about us on our website, thehouseoflotus.eu. Thank you, and enjoy your present.